Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. anything like this before for the first time we got to not only hear our favorite bands and artists when they released a new song but we got to see them too music videos had never really been a thing before the 1980s but with the advent of mtv they came in full force music videos were now able to capture the tone of the band and the song and create a whole new vibe to the recent release so that's what we're going to look at here today especially with the explosion of new video content thanks to MTV, I decided let's count down, from my opinion, the 10 best music videos of the 1980s. So welcome. I'm Jamie. This is the Everything 80s Podcast. If you're brand new, thanks for coming on out. If you're an OG, extra special thanks for sticking around all this time. Uh, Before we start, though, if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe That way you get the podcast automatically sent to you each week. It makes it easier for everybody. Okay, let's get into this. And let's start with the rise of MTV in the 80s. Because it's easy to dismiss now, but we forget how groundbreaking this new music television station really was. It's not that MTV invented the music video, but they packaged it together onto a 24-hour station with an edgy and hip new format. Music videos had existed before, but not in the way you now know them. As with most things related to music, we need to thank the Beatles. When the Beatles got massive in the 60s, everyone wanted a piece of them. This is still the relatively early days of television, not to mention, you know, big time commercial air travel. So it was tougher to take off to all corners of the globe. And the Beatles were demanded in all corners of the globe little side story my mom grew up in England and she got to see the Beatles on their last big English like British concert tour before they first left for America and she was only I think around nine years old she says and her memory of the thing was it being so loud with girls screaming that you had to plug your ears if you wanted to hear the music because then sort of like the bass and the sounds were kind of the undertones of the high-pitched screaming, and that's her total memories of that thing. So 
looking at this, you know, demand of the Beatles and the traveling and them wanted all over the world. Uh, for example, it could take them, you know, a week to get out to say New Zealand as an example. And they decided it was easier to record themselves playing their latest single and then send it to the TV stations in that country. That way they wouldn't have to fly to the other side of the planet for a three minute performance. The solution to the demand problem gave rise to the first music videos. But as usual, as it is with (laughs) many eras of music, the British helped to develop this new movement. And this goes back to the importance of Top of the Pops. And if you've spent time around this podcast before, I've also mentioned like I grew up in England between Canada and England. So as many of my childhood memories are based in England as they are in North America. And, you know, I was all too familiar with Top of the Pop. So there were many big bands in England and the music scene was evolving rapidly over there. The idea came to showcase all these new bands on a weekly show called Top of the Pops. This would feature the chart toppers performing for television audiences at home. And this inadvertently gave rise to music videos as we would come to know them. For British bands, it became second nature to record themselves playing their songs as they knew how important it was to be featured on top of the pops. They also knew how important their visual representation was and how crucial it was to look good on camera for their adoring fans. These British bands became experts at packaging their song and their look together into these short video clips. And this would serve them well with the rise of MTV. So I've done an entire show about the history of MTV. You can go back and check out, but here's just the quick highlight of it. So the network started on August 1st, 1981 with the announcement, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. And that simple statement ushered in a new era where the popular culture would be forever changed. But like many pioneers, MTV was slow to catch on at first. Many thought it was a foolish idea. And the other issue was there just weren't that many videos to play. We all know the very first video played was Video Killed the Radio Star, and it was a big hit, but there weren't a lot of other big video hits. MTV was forced to fill a lot of the airtime with footage from NASA, which led to the famous Moon logo and the Moon Man Awards that they give out to this day. But eventually, MTV became a staple of pop culture, and some of the biggest acts to make use of it were those British bands, like Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, even Billy Idol. They were so used to making music videos because of Top of the Pops back home that creating new content for MTV was second nature. And this led to a second British invasion in the 1980s. A lot of other American bands had trouble with this new concept, and it quickly pushed them to the side. But since the 80s were an exciting time for the, this new way to consume music, this is what I had to look at. What were the 10 best? I, these lists are impossible to make, but I decided to try and go through it and to look back on a lot of the stuff between the song, the, the presentation of the video, how it looked, sort of the movement and feeling it created. I had to take into all these things into consideration. So obviously from my perspective, these are what I think are the top 10 music videos of the 80s. I got a bonus one to start. So technically number 11, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. So just because this was 
kind of bizarre at the time. Like, what was this? This was graphics made by a computer in a music video. How is this possible? You know, consider our minds blowing. Again, it looks extremely primitive by today's standards, but was pretty groundbreaking at the time. It's a great visual experience for an equally great song. And the opening guitar riff is one of the most famous in music history. And I think the accompanying visual did it justice. And maybe it was done even better by Weird Al Yankovic when he did the Beverly Hillbillies version of Dire Straits. Okay, here's the official top 10. Number 10, Addicted to Love, Robert Palmer. I don't know why. This is this video always strikes me as the like single ladies Beyonce version of the 1980s. It's, again, one of those videos that, for my criteria, has to have that iconic imagery and have been either referenced or duplicated many times. And this video has that. Palmer is the classic frontman backed by the all-female band. It's simple, but the fashion models really helped cement it as, you know, a top video when it came out in 1986. The idea with the video was to have the models look like mannequins. One of the models from the video says that she got pretty tipsy after a lot of wine, was on really high heels, and fell forward, smacking Palmer in the back of the head with her guitar, causing him to smash his face onto the microphone. Number nine, Faith by George Michael. Similar to Addicted uh, to Addicted to Love, Faith was, again, you know, very simple and iconic looking. Again, that black and white imagery and definitive imagery that has been a great reflection of that decade. And to further cement it in the history of classic music videos, you may also picture Weird Al recreating this video. And that's honestly the badge of honor for anything to do with music and music videos. If Weird Al created it, it was an iconic video. That's the sign of how powerful your video is if he got his hands on it. So Faith was a big song for George Michael, as it was him breaking free from Wham! to show he was more than just like this teeny bopper, I guess if you want to call it. Faith was released in October 1987 and was a massive hit. It is certified diamond, meaning it sold at least 10 million copies. The music video is a stripped-down production to showcase George Michael, who was trying to reinvent himself, and it ended up being one of the best videos of the 80s. That's why I put it at number nine. Okay, number eight, Material Girl, Madonna. This lady not only ruled the airwaves in the 80s, but MTV as well. You could say that the success of MTV and Madonna sort of like piggybacked off each other. One helped the other one. And if there was a poster child for MTV, it was Madonna. I know Michael Jackson is probably the biggest artist, but he was already famous before MTV. Madonna and MTV came up together at the same time and at the perfect time, and again, both used each other to propel one another. Madonna made perfect use of this new medium, and it seemed tailor-made for her. She got it, and she knew how important it was to create an image and a brand before that was even a thing. She also knew how to always reinvent herself and not get stale change her look, change the vibe and the dynamic of the different music videos. Material Girl really captured that essence of Marilyn Monroe, you know, mimicking her performance from Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. This video was filmed all the way back in 1985. It's also where Madonna first met Sean Penn and, you know, became the it girl of the decade. 
At number seven, I've got Physical by Olivia Newton-John. If you didn't grow up in the 80s, it's hard to emphasize how massive this song was. It spent a crazy 10 weeks at number one. The music video on MTV was also able to capture the essence of the song. Today, it looks, you know, like a fitness infomercial. But this was the time when the growth of fitness and aerobics were booming in the economy. So it made sense to, you know, capture that. Physical was a great way to... Um, you know, capitalize on that whole growing fad. And what's interesting about this song was Olivia Newton-John wasn't the original um, intended artist. It was first proposed to Rod Stewart, which I can definitely see making it work. He passed on it. Then it was offered to Tina Turner, who again, I could see making it work. But it's crazy to think that this song came out all the way back in 1981. And it's pretty hilarious to watch today. If you want to see, like this obviously lends itself to viewing the video. So if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, so if you just go into the information for this show, the description on whatever like platform you're listening to this on, there'll be a link that take you to the blog uh, version of this where I've got links to all the videos all in one spot. But, you know, you obviously look up each one if you want to check them out. Physical is hilarious to watch again. But despite that, It was a massively popular song and music video. It won the Grammy Award for Best Music Video of 1983 when that was still a thing. Okay, we've got our first repeat here. It's Madonna again. This is number six. I've got Like a Prayer. And this is important for a few reasons because this, you know, was arguably the video that started the era of music video controversy. If If it didn't, you know, technically start it, it really helped get the ball rolling. And that's why I think it's worthy of a place at number six. This video, from my perspective, when I was a kid, this movie or this video seemed like sacrilege to me. It was like completely forbidden. Like no one should be allowed to watch it. It was like they had put the exorcist into a music video or something like that. Looking back now, it's relatively tame, but you know, especially compared to what exists out there now. But if you were growing up at the time, you remember how big this thing was. You remember what a big deal it was. Like a prayer, though, it paved the way for artists to express themselves however they wanted, I believe. And I think it really gave people an eye-opening new perspective that like, whoa, we can do stuff like this and we'll actually get attention for it and it'll lead to more album sales, which it did for Madonna. The thing is, this video upset a lot of people. And of course, she took that all the way to the bank. The music video featured a lot of religious imagery, and she knew exactly what she was doing. This was still the time where it was uh, bad publicity uh, is still extremely damaging. We you know, live in an era where no publicity is bad publicity. But back then, it could be bad publicity, and it could you know, tank your entire career. I think of Millie Vanilli as an example and stuff like that. And th- this was the ultimate in bad publicity, but it didn't backfire. It worked. Despite the Vatican, family groups, and religious organizations being outraged at the video, it still helped propel her career. They like People boycotted Pepsi because they used this song in one of their commercials. Do you remember that video? How big a deal that was as well, too? And I remember thinking, like, this is a video my mom 
would roundhouse kick me if she caught me watching it. And then I knew the song and then seeing it and hearing it in a Pepsi commercial is like, holy crap, the world's like coming to an end here. Despite all that, despite all these big groups and, you know, Pepsi being like really afraid, they stuck with it and it helped propel Madonna to an even like higher tier of celebrity. Despite all the controversy to this video, it remains one of the best music videos of all time. Okay, we're at number five. I've got Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cyndi Lauper. I don't know. Was There was no other music video in the 80s that captured the energy and excitement of the decade more than Girls Just Want to Have Fun. It's also a pretty revolutionary music video, which I'll get to in a moment. And I've covered this before, but a big thing that led to this music video was Cyndi Lauper randomly sitting next to WWF managing legend Captain Lou Albano on an airplane. This led him being cast in the video and it also helped ushered in really the future and modern era of the WWF because this led to some more cross promotion between MTV and WWF and it brought people like Hulk Hogan into the mainstream and there were live wrestling events on MTV and there was angles that featured Cyndi Lauper and all of this helped give rise to what would become WrestleMania 1 and if WrestleMania 1 wasn't the success it was, we wouldn't probably be talking about a WWF today. It probably wouldn't exist or it would be some weird offshoot that no one would really care about. That's how big this music video was. And the music video was just like Cindy Lauper. It was fun, unique. It was quirky. It only cost $35,000 to make and it came out in 1983. The whole project was a complete upstart production and it required a lot of volunteers and the free loan of what at the time was very state-of-the-art video equipment. This was the epitome of being done on a shoestring budget. Here's another interesting thing about this music video. Lorne Michaels from Saturday Night Live allowed the production free use of his million-dollar digital editing equipment. This allowed them the first really uh, ever CGI images that were featured in a video. And, uh, you know, he talked about dire straits and all that sort of thing, but people weren't necessarily knowing that they were looking at computer generated images. This is specifically the images of Cindy Lauper dancing with her lawyer, which leads to the whole cast of dance through New York. And Lauper herself was actually involved with creating these, you know, again, groundbreaking computer-generated images. So there's a lot of interesting things, like this video almost never happened, and if it didn't happen, you know, the WWF might not have had... It's a crazy whole backstory. And fun fact, of all the music videos on this list, this one has the second most views on YouTube with nearly a billion views. Okay, number four, Beat It. Do I, do I have to say by who? Michael Jackson. So this could easily be number one on this list, uh, but there's a few reasons I put it at this position. The first thing is Beat It is a song and a video that could possibly come out in multiple decades and fit right in. It's simple, but that's not to say it isn't visually striking. The smart thing was keeping it simple because now you could just showcase Michael Jackson because that's all we really wanted to see. It doesn't notably represent the 80s in its visuals, so that's why I have it a bit lower. 
The other reason is Michael Jackson dominated the decade so much that I think we have to give other people a shot. And spoiler alert, you'll see him again in this list. Beat It is also notable as it was the first time Michael Jackson put out a real rock song. This wasn't a genre he had been involved with, but Beat It was a challenge from Quincy Jones to show that he could, you know, rock hard and he could explore all these different multiple genres and and be comfortable in all of them. This song, I think, still feels aggressive and intense to this day. And even though I say this video is kind of simple, it's still a massively important video. Beat It helped to cement Michael Jackson as a pop icon, and seeing the appearance of Eddie Van Halen further cements it as a pop masterpiece for the MTV era. We have entered the top three. At number three, Walk This Way, Run DMC, and Aerosmith. This song almost never happened. Aerosmith was kind of a washed-up band going into the 80s after having success in the 70s. Run DMC was recording their classic album Raising Hell when they were flipping through records while in the studio with Rick Rubin. They stumbled upon an album from 1975 called Toys in the Attic by a band they had never heard of, Aerosmith. They started to freestyle over the track called Walk This Way, and Ruben thought this could make an ideal single. It would combine rap and rock and create an unprecedented new sound. Rap was just coming into its own in the 80s and was not yet the dominating genre it soon would become. They were able to get Steven Tyler and Rick Perry to record the song and then appear in the groundbreaking video. The symbolic video has the two bands breaking down walls to conjoin into one of the greatest songs and videos of all time. Fun fact with this, Perry and Tyler reluctantly appeared in the video as they were afraid they were going to be made fun of, but obviously that didn't happen. Okay, number two, and this is where things people disagree or shut this off and they won't like the orders. Okay, number two, Thriller. Obviously, Michael Jackson. So I know this is not only one of the best music videos of the 80s and also of all time, but I think it needs to be classified differently. Thriller is more of a short film or an expanded music video concept. So for that reason, I don't put it at number one. It's groundbreaking, it's iconic, it's influential, but it's more like watching a performance piece than a straight song music video. Not that that's bad. Thriller is the soundtrack of Halloween, and it's required viewing every October 31st. Michael Jackson showed the world what was possible when he released Thriller. Basically, music videos could be a serious art form. But here's the fact of the podcast. The Thriller music video was actually released on MTV on December 2nd, 1983. There's your good dinner party conversation. It wouldn't be a Halloween classic until the next year. I know a lot is said of Michael Jackson now, and that can be problematic. But just if, if you can separate the art and the artists and all that, it's just if you have not seen this video in a while, it's mind boggling how incredibly talented he was and how influential he was and how influential on decades further music and artists and genres and people just trying to recreate a little bit of it and, and thriller watch the long form video. It's just unbelievable. Okay. Number one, you might see that where this is going. If you've listened to the show recently, it's take on me by aha. This 
is the video that helped define MTV and an entire era. And that's why I have it as the best music video of the 80s. The video and song are the perfect embodiment of the decade and this new MTV era. The unique video featured sketches come to life, which not only perfectly captured the song, but made perfect use of this new video medium. So here's an interesting fact you may not know. There were two music videos for Take On Me. The first one was a simple, you know, performance music video that came out in 1984, also features a different recording of the song. The one we all know was filmed in London in 1985. The music video is unique as it combines actual pencil sketch animation with live action combined together by a technique called rotoscoping. This is where the live action footage is traced over frame by frame to give the characters realistic movements. The video required 3,000 frames to be rotoscoped and took 16 weeks to complete. What we got was one of the most iconic music videos ever made and the one that I think represents the decade the best. This video has the most views on YouTube of this entire list, even more than Michael Jackson. It is at over 1.2 billion at this time. Take On Me then is my number one video from the 1980s. So I'll start winding it down here. Hope I, I think most people would agree with this list, but maybe the order you you might have it a bit different. You might bump some things around. There might be some you didn't you didn't include at all. But these are you know for those various reasons I think I've slotted them in at a you know pretty good ratio. So I wanted to finish with the patron of the week. This is over at Patreon.com, which is the way to support. Uh, this show, which I'll talk about in a sec, but I wanted to feature some of the top level Patreons and with little bios about them, just some, you know, asking them their favorite things, just so you get an idea of the things um, that other people who are listening to the show like, and, you know, things you may have in common or just, you know, just to share some of those personal favorites. So this week, Patreon of the Week is Aaron, and I was just asking some of his favorites. So his favorite movie, th- this one's mind blowing. It's a movie called Night Shift. And I was vaguely aware of this thing, but not as aware as I should have been and was able to track it down and watch it. So this movie came out, this is 82, I think. This is Ron Howard's very first movie. It stars a very young Michael Keaton. Actually, everyone's very young in this. It stars Henry Winkler when he still looked like the Fonz. It stars Shelley Long just before Cheers was going to debut. This movie came out a few months before Cheers started. It has a young Kevin Costner in it. You, you can barely recognize him. A eight-year-old Shannon Doherty. The music is made by Burt Bacharach, of all people. It It's set in New York, and it's set in you know 1982 New York when the city was an absolute cesspool. And just you know seeing what Times Square was like at the time and like I'm fascinated with New York City at that point. If you go back, I did an interview with a guy named Greg Young, who's host of the Bowery Boys podcast, which is a huge podcast and like award-winning podcast that's about New York City history. And I had him on for an interview to talk about New York City in the 80s because it's just a fascinating story. So if you go back in the archives, you can check that out. So some of his other favorites, talking about favorite music, he Aaron's a huge, big Billy Joel fan in the 80s. Favorite cartoon was the Smurfs, obvious classic. And favorite TV show he loved between Knight Rider 
and different strokes. So two amazing choices right there. So thank you to Aaron. And Patreon is, like I said, it's a way to support small independent shows like this for as like little as a few bucks a month. But the difference here is you get different audio rewards for supporting the show. And there's a few different tier levels. So like I said, at the top tier level, you get, you know, these features and shout outs on the show. And then I've got the middle tier level called the Boba Fett level that gives you access to the Everything 80s Movie Club, where I review the good, the bad, and the ugly of 80s movies. I should do a night shift one. It's amazing to look back into. But if you want to see more and like all the different stuff available, I also released the show on Patreon before it gets released, you know, worldwide, everywhere else. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash 80s, so p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash 80s. Or again, wherever you're listening, there should be a link that'll take you right there, just if you want to learn more. But that's it for me. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this show. I will be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.